1: Whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers, head-turning handbags, or one genuine wardrobe staple. If you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have, eBay gets it. Nothing's more important than the real deal. When you shop on eBay, all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
2: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
0: Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Henn.
2: The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Thank you for joining us this week and last week as well. The feedback has been absolutely tremendous with the episode, the competition between Jed Mashu and Luke Thomas coming on. And it was amazing to have Luke, but I figured there's just no way I could follow that up. I couldn't put anybody in that position to follow Luke Thomas, so it just wouldn't be fair. So we're gonna have a little banter fest, a talking heads episode of the show, and joining me to give his takes as only he can is Mr. No Gray Area himself, the Woody Page of MMAfighting.com, the great Jed Michu. Hi, Jed.
3: <laughs> I love that you're just like, yeah, can't follow it up. So Jed, Jed can take that L. Jed can be the guy to follow Luke Thomas. Happy to be here, buddy. Love talking about fights with you. And we actually have like a lot to talk about this week.
2: We do. Which is nice. Technically, I'm taking the L because I have to kind of talk about stuff too and not just host. But uh, yes, we do have a lot to talk about. We'll talk about certain topics. We'll cover some news and notes. And if time permits, maybe we'll take a few questions from the peeps at the very end. But Let's start with last weekend. uh, UFC Vegas 69. And look, we're not going to spend a lot of time here, Jed, because this is not a great card. The main card was a really tough watch outside of two fights. We had some UFC roster casualties as a result of this main card. But the big thing to come out of it was Erin Blanchfield's big win. She submits Jessica Andrade in the second round, and the performance was great. She took a lot of risk early. She ate a lot of big shots. She landed some herself. She was very durable. She was a damn dog out there. She made Jessica work. And then, boom, takedown in round two. Shortly thereafter, she gets the tap. And it's Thursday now, Jed. And this was obviously a massive win for her. And people have been talking about her, no doubt about it. But hosting heck of a morning multiple times a week, you kind of get a sense of what the community is thinking and what they're talking about and what they're interested in with the questions that they asked. And honestly, I thought I'd get a lot more questions about Aaron Blanchfield. So I'm just curious, just from what you have seen, has this win, I guess, aged as well as you thought it might? Cause I don't know if it is like, it's great win. And I think people were clamoring for it after the fact, but it's just, I felt like it would get a lot more attention this far into the week.
3: You know, I hadn't really thought about it, but that's kind of a good point, right? Because it should be getting all of the accolades. Like who has done that to Jessica and Draj? Valentina Shevchenko? That's, that's really it. Like that's the only person who's really like just totally steamrolled and like that. It does feel a little bit though. Like we've already moved past so like, okay, well Aaron Blanch feels super good. Uh, Cool. On to the next thing, and I—I I don't know why exactly that is. I'm sure some of it just has to do with women's flyweight isn't isn't a huge draw. Blanchfield herself, as talented as she is, um, how, how did I put this? Could use um, a little help in the personality department as far as engaging fans via the magic of television. Uh, and so it's just sort of on to new business, I guess. But I kind of thought that this would be a much more dominant, uh, prominent talking point, right? Because uh, we, I know we have a lot of stuff going on this week, but it's not like any of it's super good. So knowing what we have with Blanchfield on our hands now and kind of where this goes, it's interesting. I also think maybe the biggest part of it, frankly, that I we – just sort of have to accept is that Blanchfield isn't fighting for the belt next. It may be her next fight, but that's, we have, we still have this Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso perfunctory match that we're going to have to get through. And then, then it can be full steam ahead towards the matchup that I think at this point, everybody wants.
2: Yeah. She, I mean, she's doing the media rounds. She was on the MA hour yesterday, which is obviously a big deal. And, She's been calling for the title shot. She also said, essentially, that if the UFC wants to give her one more fight, she would be down for that. And in the immediate aftermath, that I'm still on the side of giving her a title shot right now. Like if Valentina beats Alexa Grasso, throw her right in there and see how she does. And it's, honestly, I'm, I'm stunned by this too. It's been kind of torn down the middle among a lot of the people that I've spoke with. Fans in particular, some just want to see her right into the title fight and some want to see her get one more just for the extra experience. She's very young. Get some extra reps in before she fights somebody like Valentina Shevchenko. And after the card was over, we were both on the post-fight show saying, give her the damn title shot. You've been on hashtag team title shot since Saturday. Have you softened on that at all? No. Why would I? What reps does she need? Who are these <laughs>
3: lunatics? Like, what are, what are we talking about, people? She just beat at worst the number three flyweight in the world. Like at best you can put Jessica Andrade behind Tyler Santos and of course Shevchenko. And I think a lot of people, myself certainly had Andrade as the number two flyweight in the world and she just dummied her. And I know that it's short notice, et cetera, but it's what there's, there's nowhere to go. This is the same kind of semi idiotic argument that people would be like, well, if you get that body triangle, you got to keep advancing position. There's nowhere to advance. <laughs> she has maxed out the levels of advancement. The fact that Monofio is is higher ranked in the UFC rankings is unimaginably stupid to me. Um, like I can't figure out how she's number four. Because Manon Fioro beat Kaitlyn and Cool. You know who else beat Kaitlyn and Jessica Draj. And she did it way more impressively. So I'm not really sure what Manon's doing in front of Blanchfield at this point. Also, come on. Blanchfield would rinse Manon. <laughs> like this wouldn't be close. There's nothing to do. Sure, if if we were already locked into this Grasso shevchenko fight and that wasn't happening till May – and Blanchfield wants to spin her wheels because she's young and she just wants to stay active. That's one thing.
0: The fight's happening
3: next weekend. <laughs> we're, we're almost there. We are less than ten days from from this happening. And so, unless something terrible happens to to Shevchenko after she beats Alexa Grasso or in the process of beating her, we're we're just doing this in the summer, guys. Like that. This seems very dumb. I have not seen this anywhere shocking to me right now (laughs) you're telling me Mike
2: I know it's weird I've been feeling a lot of those calls this week but uh should Valentina Shevchenko defeat Alexa Grasso and she is heavily favored to do so what would you guess would be the betting line for a Shevchenko Blanchfield fight like I think the Grasso Mm -hmm. fight Shevchenko is uh, a minus 600 favorite somewhere around there but do you think a Blanchfield Mm -hmm. fight might open closer than that like how would you gauge it's definitely an open closer than that yeah where would you definitely. put definitely if you were the, the, the odd maker the odds maker?
3: Oh, so if I'm the odds maker, I'm I'm looking at her fights right now. Uh and here's the thing like the Tyler Santos one, she opens as minus six twenty-five. Uh no one was giving Santos a chance in that one. So I think we gotta be tighter, tighter line than that fight. Uh Jessica Andrade, though, she was still a minus four fifty. Uh I think we still have to be tighter than that. Um what was Joanna? Let's she was a minus 320 over Joanna to win the belt. And I think that's probably close to what we're looking at uh, for Blanchfield. Minus 300-something in there. Uh, and that's probably the right line because that's, that's going to be a big enough action back on Blanchfield, plus 240, plus 260, something like that, to to draw interest in placing an underdog bet. Uh, but still, I don't know, if you get into the minus 200s, For Shevchenko, that feels like a lot of people would bet on her minus 200 something, depending on how this Grasso fight goes, right? Like Shevchenko's coming off the Santos fight, not her best performance, certainly. I am of the opinion that that was probably sort of a one off because we've seen this over long-reigning champions historically, sometimes you don't have your fastball. If you can win with your changeup in your off-speed game, then that's the sh- sign of like a truly great fighter. And she pulled that off. I, I think we're probably more likely to get a fastball versus Alexa Grasso. Uh, and if that's the case, then maybe that line opens at 350, and that's sort of where it hovers. But if she squeaks by Grasso, she doesn't look great. If Grasso like, gets to the back at some point, Uh, then this starts, one, the fight itself gets more interesting and the betting line as a result is going to get a little narrower.
2: And a cap off this past weekend, because I feel like they should be mentioned here. And I'm not sure if you actually went back and watched it or not. We gave you some homework to go back and watch certain fights, but you're obviously tapped into the social media world, the comings and goings of the combat world. You pay attention to MMAfighting.com. BKFC won the weekend by a lot. Did they not? Like when they have big cards and name value, they deliver. And this card was very fun and interesting. And a lot of storylines came out of it. We saw a lot of people get over like Josh Watson. Nobody really knew who this guy was. Knocks out Greg Hardy. And now everyone's talking about this guy and they love him and, Obviously, the main event was insane, but BKFC won the weekend by a lot. Did you get to watch any of it? And ha- ha- if you didn't, have you noticed just how much more people were talking about the BKFC card than the UFC card?
3: I watched a couple of the highlights. I have yet to watch the main event, which I have been told was um, quite watchable. So I, that's still on the to-do list. But I saw the Austin Trout, uh, Diego Sanchez thing, saw Greg Hardy get flatlined. Oh, uh, That just... That just brings a smile to the heart, doesn't it? That was that was lovely. Uh John Dotson, you know, still being John Dotson just with bare knuckles is great. So yeah, um but BKFC always wins, right? Like I I don't know what the broader fan perception is of BKFC. I, I just can't really speak to that. But they certainly draw the most interest from our side of things, right? Like every time BKFC has a card of any substance whatsoever. One, you will note the BKFC does a really good job of never counterprogramming the UFC functionally or like anything good from the UFC. They don't run Knuckle Mania on the same week as like 285, right? They 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 know what they're doing in this regard. Uh and so when you're running this BKFC card against the worst UFC card in recent memory, which I think it's fair to call uh Vegas 69 is like on paper looked like it was that and in in delivery delivered that. Uh you're gonna have some success in general. But also just like people love this stuff, man. Uh it's not entirely my cup of tea. I, I don't hate it. I'm not like morally opposed to it and any of that. It's just not super up my alley all the way. Uh but I don't mind watching it occasionally and Some of the stuff, I mean, their pacing is great from everything that seems because they they only take like two hours to do it. Uh, And they always deliver pretty good action, in my experience. So they continue. We were talking about this on this, we were talking about this in the meeting the other day. Uh, We've got the NFL draft coming up. We're going to do a draft pod again, uh, as we did last year. Last year, our fifth team was Eagle FC. They ain't ain't the fifth fifth team in the (laughs) world anymore. Uh, So we kind of have an open spot. And frankly, BKFC might actually be the the most appropriate organization in, in that tiering of you've got the big four and then you're looking for something else. BKFC feels like it's right there, man.
2: Of course, I had Eagle FC in this draft, so... I mean, I, I feel like I might be just getting a different you, team every day. You
3: year. ran that franchise into the ground, Mike,
2: <laughs> with John Jones and Francis Gano on the roster. How just did the hell ran that
3: franchise into the
2: ground? Uh, I was so confident in my squad too, but I mean, if I can carry these guys <laughs> over to the I, I I think I got a pretty damn good squad. But obviously, Vegas sixty nine that is a thing, and it's now behind us, but. I think a lot the worst of worst card yes. I've ever watched.
3: Dude, <laughs> that card was so bad.
2: Well, look, thank I mean, God
3: for Aaron Blanchfield. Can you imagine if that fight was a snoozer? If the main event was a snoozer, this would legitimately be one of the all-time worst events that has ever been put on by the UFC. Every main card fight was bad, but for the main event. And then the Hernandez Miller fight was pretty fun, but then that next stretch of three was terrible. Oh, it was Truly really, really bad. Horrifically yeah. bad.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, if it did one thing, it it made us more excited for UFC 285 next Saturday, but we do have one more stop at the Apex this Saturday with UFC Vegas 70, Bellator also back on Saturday. A bit earlier in the day is the return to Dublin, Ireland with Bellator 291. UFC Vegas 70, headlined by Nikita Kralov versus Ryan Spann. We have the return of Tatiana Suarez against Montana De La Rosa. Andre Muniz is back against Brendan Allen for the middleweightiest middleweight championship. Bellator, headlined by a welterweight title fight between Yaroslav Amosov. What a story that man has been since winning the title and everything he's been going through in Ukraine, taking on Logan Story, the interim champ, in a rematch. And now normally, Jed... And it seems like you want to say something, so I'll let you say it after I. I just have to ask further- you a question. Yeah, go ahead.
3: We got to talk about this middleweightiest middleweight <laughs> thing because I love, I love the concept. I I want to say that I may have been the first person to say middleweightiest middleweight fight uh, on one of our programs. This can't be for that belt, right? Andre Muniz is good. <laughs> Like, Andre right. is just actually good. So, does he still get to compete for the middleweightiest middleweight title just because Brendan Allen is the sitting champion? Yes. I, you're the, you get to determine these things. I don't know. But I, I heard you say that on, on to the next one. And I was
2: like, we got to have this out. What are the rules? It's basically the 16th ranked middleweight is the middleweight middleweight champion. Christoph mm-hmm. Jocko might be the greatest middleweightiest middleweight champion of all time because he held the middleweightiest
3: middleweight champion. <laughs> he, held
2: that, he held that title forever. Just kept knocking dudes off, and Brandon Allen beat him. So now, by proxy, Brandon Allen is the middleweightiest middleweight champ. And Andre Muniz, because it appears that there aren't a lot of guys ranked ahead of him, that are ready to sign that dotted line. Ain't nobody trying this to fight this dude. been higher for this man.
3: <laughs> I mean, I guess it's true. If he does lose, though, he'll still be a top 15 guy, but Brendan Allen will no longer be the
0: 16th middleweight. A lot, lot at stake in this fight. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI.
1: for this episode comes from ebay whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers head-turning handbags or one genuine wardrobe staple if you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have ebay gets it nothing's more important than the real deal when you shop on ebay all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee and you'll know that every inch stitch sole and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
3: I know. Can you tell how great this card is that this is what we're talking (laughs) about?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, and that's what's interesting about this question, because normally, Jed, when, when Bellator puts on a card on the same weekend or even the same day as a UFC Fight Night card, more often than not, Bellator has had the better lineup more reasons to tune in over the UFC cards. It happened a lot last year. Happened earlier this month when Bellator 290 went up against whatever UFC card this was. So I mean, we'll last question we asked, we usually ask. If you could only watch one of these cards this weekend, are you watching the Bellator card? Or are you watching the UFC card?
3: Oh, this one's easy. It's Bellator 291. Um well okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back. Do I have to watch the whole card? because if i could just pick if i can just watch one then i'll watch bellator but if you're going to make me watch 18 bellator fights then i will say that's too many and i will choose instead to watch the ufc card because my time has some value to it even if it may not be much but yeah bellator's putting forth the better offering uh this weekend and this ufc card is better than the previous weeks there are actually some fights that I have some interest in. The main event is, you know, of ryan Span is relevant. I don't know if if it piques your interest or not, but it is relevant. This is a fight that really shouldn't be main eventing something. It should be the co-main event to a fight night card or like a fun fight on the main card of a pay-per-view feels like the sweet spot for it, but it's fine. We've got two top. 15, 12 light heavyweights going at it. Uh, And a bunch of other storylines that matter. Andre Muniz is dope. Middleweightiest middleweight fight going there. Uh, Tatiana Suarez comes back after five years. That's important. Like There's some things going on in that card, but top to bottom, there's also just a lot of filler. Bellator, by virtue of having 18 fights, has a ton of filler as well. But the main event is... It might not be pretty. I can't say that the fight will be great, though their previous encounter was really, really fun to watch. But Yaroslav Amosov, with, with that story coming back after over a year off because he was fighting to defend his homeland, uh, is now returning unified belts or unifying belts against Logan Storley. They already fought once. Very good fight. That fight maybe maybe we have a Logan Storley snooze fest to- could totally happen. But if it's anything like their first one, only instead we get five rounds of it, uh, that fight's going to be awesome, and it's easily the most relevant fight that's going on this whole weekend. And that yeah. enough makes it makes it top for me.
2: Well, the good news about an eighteen fight Bellator card is thirteen of them are on the prelims, and when you talk about pacing, they, there's no post-limbs. time to breathe.
3: Oh, that's a you know we're we'll some you know we're getting some postlims with this.
2: That's that's but that's good. I mean, then you're viewing pleasure because you don't have to watch the postlims once the main if card I don't ends, have to watch in the postlims
3: then than Bellator for sure. Because but like you know there are other even the prelims here have some stuff that like I'm not I'm not trying to sell you a bill of goods. This isn't something that you should care about. But there are things yeah. that have some interests like um, Magomed Cherpov. Yep. Little brother, little brother homie. homie. Um, why can't I think of that man's first Zabit. name? Zabit. There we go. Uh, Zabit's little brother, undefeated dude. Like that's relevant. He's getting a squash match, a uh, bunch of squash matches, ton of Irish fighters. Um, this is basically the SBG card. They just took every SBG fighter and they're giving them somebody. Many of them are people that they are supposed to beat. Uh, but Charlie Ward is usually pretty fun to watch. Uh, get after it in some regards. Charlie Ward, Mike, so Charlie Ward, Mike Shippen ship should be fun. Uh, Co main event's pretty good. Jeremy Kennedy yeah. still still like what I've seen from Jeremy Kennedy largely. Pedro Cavallo always a tough out, good scrap. You know Peter Queely's coming back. There's some other things to hang your hat on here uh, as well. But largely, this is being carried by one heck of a main event.
2: Yeah. The main event is great. It's the best fight of the weekend. No doubt about that. And the crowd is going to be on fire. Like this crowd is going to be electric. And then the UFC is in the apex. That's going to make a huge difference, honestly, for for the viewership uh, and the viewing experience.
3: Can we talk? Can somebody just talk to Joe Martinez? I need you guys can just just add us together if he's got social media, because I love the man. I think that he is better than Bruce Buffer. I love what he does. I think he's good. But I am absolutely begging him, begging him. You cannot do your traditional intro in the Apex. You cannot say make some noise if you are ready to a crowd of seven people, because it just doesn't work, dude. They can't make noise. This is not a packed out arena that it works. And it kills me every week. Joe Martinez is doing it because the rest of it is sensational. But then he does that before the main event. And I'm just like, Oh God, way to make a stark and brutal reminder that nobody is here for this thing.
2: I've come to terms with that. Um, I just feel like he's talking to me. So I just, <laughs> Do you I just make noise clap. in your house. Yes. Woo! And if it's, and if Get it's your too dog late, really excited? If it's too late and the dog's not next to me, then I it's a golf clap. It's a golf clap. <laughs> but if, if it's like yeah. If it's no if it's an afternoon car, then I'm all excited. But uh, <laughs> I'm glad you met – <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned Jeremy Kennedy because I, I am excited to see him back. Uh, he's coming off that Aaron Pico win, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that win, honestly. But like you said, there's a lot of up and comers on the card. The UFC main event is fine. It's kind of a weird one. Will it be a fun fight? Yes. I'm not completely sure what they're actually fighting for, but there are two ranked guys. But while I'll tell,
3: Amazon. I'll tell you what they're fighting for, buddy. They're fighting for the light he- heavyweightiest <laughs> light heavyweight. Because let me tell you, Nikita krilov is about as light heavyweighty of a light heavyweight as you can get. And Ryan Spann is is surging up the leaderboard of that as well. So I I am happy to say this is for the inaugural light heavyweightiest <laughs> light heavyweight <laughs> fight of, of the year.
2: Who knew in the last... Eight minutes who would make this UFC Vegas 70 card even more compelling than it is on paper. And while Amasoft's story is the best fight of the weekend, there is no more interesting story than the return of Tatiana Suarez, Jet. She's fighting Montana De La Rosa at 125. I think this is picture perfect matchmaking because De La Rosa has zero F's to give when she's in the octagon. She will go to freaking battle with Tatiana Suarez, and whatever happens, happens. Do you like the matchmaking and like, is the layoff the biggest question you have about Tatiana Suarez? Because you talk a lot about age and athletic primes and from everyone that I've spoken to that has watched Tatiana Suarez train and get ready for this fight. Suarez is on one right now, but this will be her first fight since 2019. She's 32 years of age now, which isn't old by any stretch, but is that your biggest question? What are your expectations?
3: It's the biggest question because it's the only question, but I don't have a lot of a question about this. Tatiana Suarez is gonna come here and thump up Montana Delarosa something proper. Like she gonna she gonna give her the business because she's really really good at fighting. I mean, this was a woman who a lot of us were were very very confident in her being a future champion and potentially a multi division champion you know 4 years ago when she was able to compete even if even if she has done zero improvement over the last 4 years if she is simply the exact same fighter that she was then she is still going to win this fight comfortably and still is a threat to certainly take the strawweight belt uh, assuming that that weight is something that she can manage i know she has been adamant that that's where she's going after this fight but is just a legitimate like a problem at flyweight because look, I, there have been very few people higher on Aaron Blanchfield than me. Like I've been on the train from just about day one. I, I don't want to bet against Aaron Blanchfield's ability to grapple with anybody, but if there's somebody who's gonna gonna show her what's what on the floor, it's Tatiana Suarez. Like that that woman is no joke. So. I don't have a question in how this fight really is going to look. If I have any questions at all, it will just be how good does Suarez look? Because I expect her to look excellent. Uh, and I'm frankly anticipating, uh, remember when Dominic Cruz everyone like, was out for like five years and then just for the first time in his life, like actually unleashed a offense that was meaningfully meant to hurt somebody, uh, and immediately just drilled. Um, um, dude, give me give me the cream fighter's name. Um, Takei t- Mizugaki. Uh, t- yeah. t- yeah. t- yeah. t- yes, um, not not Takei Mizugaki. Yes, he came back after four years and just drilled Takei gaw- Mizugaki. Uh, I think that we could totally see that from Tatiana Suarez here. She just come in and just roll right on over Monten Mont- uh, Montana Delarosa and keep on, just get right back to where she was before she left off. And I hope so because the sport will be much more interesting uh, with her being back to where she was.
2: Like you said, she wants to go back to 115. She's been very adamant about that. We've talked about this a lot on Heck of a Morning today and earlier this week as well. If she goes back to 115, if all goes well, and I think a lot of us expect it to go very well for her stylistically, how would you match her up next? Would you just chuck her right into a number one contender fight, yes. even if it's at 125, or would you give her like one more against like a tough top 10 fighter with the name and just let her build back up? Because again, getting to 125, getting the win, that's huge. You've come back, you've overcome, but now you're dropping down to 115. Do you want to test it out, make sure she makes the weight fine, that she performs fine at that weight now that she's a little bit older and then give her a number one contender fight? Or do you just say, forget it, let's just go. She fights, rematch Carla Sparza, somebody like that, and then just give her a title fight if she wins. Where are you at with this?
3: This is easy. Uh, I, I'm i perfectly happy if she wants to stay at straw weight to stay at strawweight. Um, for the time being, we can do the 125 thing later. Uh and i uh, she needs to get right back in the title hunt she was there right before she left and then she left and you know dims the breaks. uh she can also solve a maybe not a problem but a bit of a curious situation right because we've got jang wiley uh, Zhang as as a champion still not entirely sure uh what what lays ahead of her uh I don't it feels weird to give Amanda Lemos a title fight given given that Jessica Andrade just throttled that woman like a year ago, less than eight, like 6 months ago. So, uh you just do that. Amanda Lemos versus Tatiana Suarez title eliminator. Bobs your uncle, if either woman wins, they are totally deserving of getting a crack at the strawweight belt and it Clears up that that sort of awkward spot of Andrade having a W over Limosh, but Limosh being higher ranked in the division because Andrade has been bouncing around back and forth, et cetera, et cetera. So, right back into the title picture. Uh, I'm not giving her Carlos Barza because that's just very mean to Carlos Barza, and she deserves uh, better things to happen to her, you know, than, than that one. But yeah, just just get after it with her. there's no time to waste we already burnt her the four years of her athletic prime are gone so hop hop two does
2: that mean Rose gets the title shot
3: I'm just assuming that that's what's going to happen I don't it wouldn't shock me if it didn't uh because of how bad Rose's previous fight was but they really like giving Rose nama title shots and she does have two wins over the current champion so I'm assuming that that's, that's sort of next up for, for Wiley. But honestly, I wouldn't have a super huge issue if Suarez blows the doors off Monte De La Rosa if they're just like, sure, title shot, let's do it. I'd be fine with it. Like, that'd be fun at least.
2: Jed, we, we have a one championship card tomorrow as well. John Lineker, Fabricio D'Andrade, a rematch from the no contest. You have so much the-
3: going on this week.
2: Yeah, the not shot heard around the world. So uh, what's your interest level in this fight, in this card as a whole? One on Prime Video 7.
3: So I will not be watching live because my family is actually coming into town tomorrow uh, for this weekend, but I will probably... We're we're doing dinner tomorrow, and I'll be doing that. After dinner, I will probably turn this on if I get home in time, and certainly I'll uh, just watch the playback of the main event. The rest of the card, I'm not like... I don't know Martin Win's fighting. Martin Win's usually pretty fun to watch. Um, There's some other things happening on here that aren't aren't bad, but uh, I am very interested in the main event because one, John Lineker's fighting. John Lineker has never been boring like ever. Man, it's going to come forward. He's gonna he's gonna eat a bunch of shots and he's gonna <laughs> rip rib roasters at you, baby. Uh, and last time that wasn't going super hot for him against uh, Fabrizio D'Andrigh and we'll see how it goes again I, I'm I actually like pretty interested in this fight, we'll be excited to watch it whenever I get the chance to, uh, and it just kicks off a good fight weekend, man we got KSW, we got one Bellator UFC all sorts of shenanigans going on, Mike
2: you know what else is happening this weekend, Jed? Floyd Mayweather's boxing Aaron Chalmers, like that's a thing, but yeah, that's another, super
3: weird, a, right?
2: super weird <laughs> I, I, yeah, just making sure ugh the amount of traffic that the stupid fight's gonna get. But that, anyways, that's one thing. We have another boxing fight happening on Sunday, or let me frame it like this. We are as close to this fight as we have ever gotten after many, many, many attempts. Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. Jed, I have to say, until somebody brought it up on Heck of a Morning last weekend, I believe it was New York Rick, I totally freaking forgot this was even happening. And in fact, Nobody brought it up besides that since maybe a week after the fight was official. And since it was brought up last week, no one has said a word about it. There just does not seem to be any buzz for this fight, especially in the MMA community. I have vague interest at best, but that might even be a stretch. Where are you at in terms of interest, intrigue with this fight? Do you care at all that Jake Paul is boxing Tommy Fury on Sunday?
3: I do. I'll get to that in a second. Um, cause here is the problem with boxing, Tommy Fury. It's this right here. Uh, I am not opposed to this matchup for a lot of reasons. I think though, that what probably wasn't talked about enough. And what is a very real problem with this fight is how it, how we got here in the first place, because like, be honest, Mike, how much of this is that you forgot this was happening because you were less interested, how much, how much a part of that is simply this is ha- this is supposed to have happened twice before. And I just don't have the confidence that Tommy Fury is going to show up. Cause I feel like that's a bigger part of it because like I felt the same thing when Dylan Danis was supposed to box KSI. I didn't care about that almost at all. But I also just immediately wrote it out of my mind entirely. It's like Dylan Danzig ain't going to show up for that thing, so whatever, who cares? And then lo and behold, we were all correct in that one. And <laughs> it feels like Tommy Fury is in fact going to fight Jake Paul at this point. Uh, but I was not interested at all in the previous week because was like, I don't know, I just I something's going to happen. Tommy Fury's not going to do this because he keeps he keeps fumbling the bag. Now to hear Jake Paul tell it that they're doing a presser in like a couple hours, I think it seems like it's going to happen. And I am actually more interested in it uh, than I probably should be because like this is bad fighting, but I Jake Paul is a part of my existence. Now I, I didn't plan on this. It was not something I would have chosen uh, to be honest, but he is part of the lexicon, part of us. And so Sort of by definition, I have grown more interested in where this career arc goes. Um, at some point, we all expect it to fail. I don't know when that will be. And I could see it being Tommy Fury. I know some people on staff are adamant that Tommy Fury is terrible because he's not good uh, and that he is going to lose. And I suspect that that is true. But we were all wrong about the Anderson Selva fight. There were very few people in in our sphere who were like yeah jake paul is going to beat anderson silva some people thought but everybody couched it and for a long time we all said that was the fight to make because anderson can actually box and so here's something we were all pretty wrong in that and how that fight looked how that fight went etc etc and this time it feels like we could be wrong either way frankly because everything tells me that Jake Paul should win this fight. But at the same time, it it is very real that he has never fought someone who also boxes like as a thing that they primarily do and isn't, you know, close to an AARP card. And that matters like a lot because Anderson Silva, like if you go back and watch that fight and I have Jake Paul beats Anderson Silva, I'm not here to dispute this He doesn't look good for large portions of it because he's not actually very good at boxing. He's not bad. He's better than I am at boxing, you know, but he's not a boxer. Like that is not where he's at with his technical ability. And Tommy Fury isn't either, but Tommy Fury, Jake Paul used a game plan to beat Anderson Silva functionally, which is smart. Like that's a full credit to him, but his game plan was simply to do stuff like I know Anderson Silva will not throw that much at me, and when he does, I am largely going to shell up and try and try and disengage because I don't have the tools to counter effectively, really. Uh, but for most parts, he just won't do anything, and I can outwork him by popping a jab to the body, staying at range, doing this. I don't think that plan's going to work against Tommy Fury because Tommy Fury doesn't do a ton either, but he is coached by really good people, a.k.a. The heavyweight champion of the world and one of the best (laughs) fighters of this generation. Like, they are going to know what to do. And more importantly, they're going to, I think, make Jake Paul be put into more uncomfortable situations if Tommy can do it at all. To say, let's see what Jake Paul looks like when he is forced to fight off the back foot. Because I got to tell you, I doubt it's very good. I just do not see like that's being a good, like, that's very hard to do. And to see a guy that isn't, old and can't and and matches him to some extent physically like these are real questions if you are strictly interested in the development of jake paul and despite all my better judgment i've kind of have gotten that way and it looks like we're going to get this fight uh and so i'm i'm kind of interested to see what the hell's going to happen frankly
2: yeah, I mean, you did a great job trying to sell it. I'm still at vaguely in, interested at, at this point, just to see what happens. I just want to know the result. Maybe I'll go back and watch it later. But
3: if you're at all interested in Jake Paul's boxing career, this to me is uh, is an incredibly like relevant and important fight for him. Anderson Silva was was it like that? That fight mattered, and he needed to take it and did it. This fight, and it didn't have to be Tommy Fury specifically. Any youngish dude who also boxes and is like the same size at him mattered, and to that extent, this matters. Him fighting Nate Diaz, I will have zero interest in. I'll be very frank. That will mean nothing to me because he will beat Nate Diaz because he's enormous and Nate is already on the on the cooked side of well done. So like that, that fight will draw much more interest. People will be way more into it. I won't care almost at all about that one. This fight is at least going to answer real questions that
2: exist about where Jake Paul is as boxer. I respect that stance. Um, did you ever watch Seinfeld? I mean, you watch Seinfeld, right? Oh, sure did. You know the episode where Elaine is trying to go to sleep and there's a little dog that just keeps yelping and yeah. she can't go to sleep, and then Newman and Kramer help her like not kidnap the dog, but take the dog, Kid- kidnap the dog. Yeah. They kidnap the dog, dropped them off at a farm. And then the dog found mm-hmm. its way back home. There's this little dog right outside my house. Like if the <laughs> wind blows, this thing just starts yelping and it drives me insane. My dog has barked like five times during this episode. This dog is just not stopping barking. I can't That's hear that dog. dog at all. So it's, it's the same thing. Yep. 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 He's just yelping away. But, uh, just letting you know. Jake said recently, I think it was on the M.A.R., uh, that he has to knock out Tommy Fury, that a win is not enough. And the way you are portraying this doesn't seem like you have to that, – that you necessarily agree with that, that he has to knock Tommy Fury out. Uh, is a win enough here? Is a win enough to to answer those questions, or does he have to like emphatically beat Tommy Fury in your opinion? I mean, he
3: probably needs to knock him out. Not Not for me, but like for his fan base – the thing you talk all that greasiness, you got to back it up to some extent or another, you know, like he's, he's out here saying that Tommy Fury is an easier test than Tyron Woodley and Anderson Silva. He needs to at least put that man on his ass. Maybe he can't knock him out, but he needs to show out for me. Again, I'm looking at this kind of purely as developmental thing. Like if he just goes out there and actually shows real boxing, uh, then I'll be like, Oh, cool. This guy's improving. Cause he is improving. Like he's absolutely improving. But you don't have to take this from me. Just go look up any of the Getty images of his fight with Anderson Silva. The number of still frames that you can see of Jake Paul throwing his jab and his right arm is extended back like he's doing a Superman pose. It's just like, that's really bad. Like it's really, really bad. And he gets away with it because he's young and athletic and he's fighting super world dudes. And that's how it goes. And I don't know that Tommy Fury is the dude to punish him for it, but if he can clean up his mechanics, then I can be. Because at some point, he's going to fight like a real, real boxer. Like that is sort of the end point here. And all of this is building up to this. I don't, he's going to fight Nate Diaz. He's going to beat Nate Diaz. I don't care. He, apparently, he's going to fight KSI. KSI. He's going to kill KSI. Uh, and I don't really care about that. He'll probably end up fighting Connor and he will beat connor like these are i know these steps but at some point he keeps saying he's going to be a world champion he's super not let's be very clear he's not going to be that but at some point he is going to bite off more than he can chew and i need to know how much money to bet against him when that comes (laughs) I need to know, and the only way to know that is to figure out if he ever learns to jab while keeping a defensive guard. If he can ever throw in real combinations or pivot off, off of attacks. and like I need to see him do the things that you would expect to see him. And again, he's still, still super early in his career. It's not surprising he can't do a lot of this. But if I see that and he just undresses Tommy Fury for eight rounds, like – then I'll be like, "Cool, like I'm impressed." Okay, the WBC, WBC is going to rank him. It's not entirely ridiculous, even if it is largely ridiculous, you know. So that's that's kind of what I'm looking for here. I just actually want to see what he looks like as a boxer because he has, in fact, gotten a lot better at this. He clearly is putting in the time and the work, and I am at this point somewhat invested in this journey. So let's see where we're going.
2: Yeah, you make an interesting point. We've come so far. We almost have to see how it plays out. Just don't and, fight and Salt Poppy. And we know it's going to keep fight going. Salt Poppy, Jake Paul. Don't fight Salt Poppy. Don't do it. I
3: honestly, that fight, I would be absolutely fascinated by. Like, <laughs> fascinated by. Salt so, Poppy has mitts, y'all. Like, I don't know if you've... I don't know if y'all been watching Influencer Boxing. I have been covering that beat for us for a stretch now. And the first time I saw Salt Poppy go, I was I was blowing up our slack. I was being like, guys, I know this event is just dog shit. Uh, <laughs> but th- but Salt Poppy can, can shuck him, like for real, for real, got them things on him. And New York Rick has come around. He watched the last one where Salt Poppy got the business going. That dude – that dude has mitts. I think he's considerably smaller than Jake Paul, but Salt Poppy can can make some things happen in there. So I would watch the hell out of that stupid-ass fight. And nice that's guy. how they get you. That's how you get hooked, Mike. Here I am. If you had asked me three years ago, do you think that you would be spending real amounts of time talking about YouTube or boxing and like actually being interested? I would have been like, no, I have taste in class. But I don't. I'm, I'm a mongrel like the rest of you. And here I am. Give me Jake <laughs> Paul versus Salt Poppy.
2: You've come, you've come so far, Jed. I remember when we were talking about Jake Paul. I hated Dan it. <laughs> and now, and now here you are. Trailer Sales got week. me. Yeah. They hooked yep.
3: me. Trailer hooked me with a kick-ass live event. And now here we are.
2: Unbelievable. Yeah, I've done worse. Well, we'll see what happens on Sunday. The, apparently, the press conference is wrapped up. I thought it was happening later tonight, but... Um,
3: they were in Saudi, go. so the Times probably makes a little more sense than to be doing it right now. But yeah. Did anything fun happen? Do we have notes? Oh, they are standing on stage holding a belt together. Look at that. Neither of them look particularly happy to be there. Man, Tommy Fury, that is a man who... Uh, he takes a while to get ready in the morning, you know? Yeah. Like that man doesn't just roll out of bed and go, go down to his PJs. Man is going to take some time in the mirror. Well-coiffed young
2: man. Yes. That's a, that's a good way to describe it.
1: Support for this podcast comes from Smart Water. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Water Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.
2: Uh, let's let's go to some news and notes, and then we'll take some peep questions. Uh, speaking of Jake Paul, speaking of his interview on the MA Hour, yesterday he said that he and Francis Ngannou have been in talks about the former UFC champion joining the PFL and the talks have been pretty positive. Do you feel like this is a real thing or is this promoter talk? Because even if you're not having multiple great chats with Francis and Ganu, you at least need to say you are to put the pressure on everybody else. What do you think? Do you think there's, there's smoke to this fire? Or is this Jake Paul just being a good promoter and just saying that everything's going swimmingly and just saying what everybody else is saying?
3: Probably a little of column a, a little of column B Like I would be really shocked if they hadn't reached out and had at least some level of contact with Francis and Ganu. and the PFL can offer him a lot, um, a million dollars a year to just bomb on, on dudes, uh, which would be sick, uh, share of revenue on pay-per-views, which still unclear. Francis is actually a pay-per-view draw, but he can get there. Um, certainly. And, you know, uh, a more equitable relationship with fighters, which is something Francis is obviously very interested in. Like all of those things are, are real and working PFL probably has the most to offer Francis at this point in time. Uh, which is why I was so adamant that Bellator needed to come out of the gates storming with a blank check. Cause that it, it over time, I am not sure uh, Bellator can offer very similar things, but they don't offer Jake Paul and the connections that can come with being on a Jake Paul pay per view, for instance, because uh, I got to say, if I'm, you know, if I'm getting pay per view revenue, uh, I would rather be on a pay per view where I'm splitting revenue with Jake Paul than headlining a pay per view against Ryan Bader, because I know which of those is going to do a lot better monetarily. So I'm sure they've talked to him. I'm also n- what's sus- I suspect that a lot of that is just yeah we've had good talks they've talked i, I doubt that we're anywhere cuz we haven't really heard any smoke as far as francis signing anywhere or leaning anywhere i know eric nixick gave an interview the other day i think to mma junkie i'm not 100% sure on that but i think it was to mma junkie where he said that francis had um, was was primarily interested in doing the boxing thing first like that that wants to be his next step and that uh, Anthony Joshua um, was a name, a couple other boxing names thrown out there. Uh, And, you know, any of those seem, seem plausible for him at this point in time, you know, Tyson Fury, maybe not right now, but, He's just got to pick his spot because he's only going to get the one boxing match. Maybe, maybe two, but he's probably only going to get the one. So he's got to find the right home for it. Uh, And I suspect he will want to do that without any encumbrance from an MMA organization.
2: Yeah. So all the talk out of that release in the interview was like, which MMA promotion is he going to end up with? And we all had our reasons and directions we felt this could go, right? And it seems like the, the only direction Francis wants to go right now is boxing. Big boxing match. I don't even think he's... Th- I'm sure he's thinking about where he's going to fight next in MMA, but he is focused on getting a big money boxing fight and nothing else. And I'm sure all of these promotions have reached out to me, has had conversations with all of them. So it's February now, Jed. We're approaching March. If you were to take a guess, will Francis Ngannou's next MMA fight take place for the PFL, for Bellator, and I'm going to throw the UFC in there too because if he boxes Anthony Joshua or anybody else, and John Jones goes out there and beats Cyril gone, and we'll talk more about that next week, the the fascination, the hunger for a John Jones Francis and Gaon fight is even bigger than it was beforehand. Where do you think? Like, where are you at right now? I I'm not confident in anything, but I think all these options are on the table right now.
3: I feel pretty confident that the UFC isn't. Frankly, um, I, I think the UFC would have him back. I, I Everything I have read and listened to just gives me the impression that Francis Ngannou cannot work with the UFC fundamentally, which makes sense. And I'm, is okay. Like they, they have competing ideals. This was not, I, I think to some extent it has been cast is maybe even accurate as Francis wanted to box. The UFC said no. And that, that was the tension and the breaking point. Uh, And so maybe he goes and he boxes and he can come back and and it can all be settled. I don't think that that's really it because Francis, you know, when he'd said I wanted to box, I wanted healthcare and I wanted, you know, a a seat at the table and all these sorts of things. I believe that he probably means that if you know anything about his story, you can understand why things like that, a, a better, more equitable relationship with the promoter would matter to him substantially. And he had the leverage, and he he's also not an idiot. Like He knows that the UFC isn't going to accept those, but he is saying them anyway because he wants them to know, here's what it is, and maybe they do accept, maybe they don't. But he knows realistically what's going to happen. He It felt like he always knew he wasn't coming back to the UFC because the things that he would want and need – we're not going to be there and I, that's not going to change in the next six months, probably not changing the next six years. So I just don't think he's coming back to the UFC. Uh, I, I suspect that PFL is the leader in the clubhouse right now for him because they do have a pay-per-view structure, or at least they are working on that. I mean, they've done one and that is clearly a motion forward with Jake Paul as part of it because they – They don't have as good a heavyweight division as Bellator, but they don't have it it's not like Bellator heavyweight division is very good either. Like no one has a good heavyweight division except for the UFC, insofar as there is such a thing as a good heavyweight division. So he still gets to be on ESPN Plus, he still he gets to do pay-per-view revenues, he gets a promotion that will let him be a partner in the promotion make him feel valued in the same ways they've done with Kayla Harrison. I suspect pretty strongly that PFL is the ultimate landing spot for him unless Bellator and Showtime just write him a blank check and somehow help like negotiate uh, Andy Ruiz or Anthony Joshua or any of those sorts of fights, boxing matches that he's looking for.
2: Yeah, I I don't think the UFC is a favorite by any stretch, but I do think I'm not going to say they're probably three on the list, but Francis also said like, I wouldn't put them at zero.
3: Like, yeah. Like I wouldn't put them at zero, but they are single digits in the percentage likelihood for me. Like it's very low that he goes back there.
2: Next. Yeah, I think it's maybe I think it's a couple those years. three. I think it's those three and nobody else. Um, as, as long as he gets to scratch the itch and then have those conversations. Cause he even said if the UFC just kind of met him halfway on certain things, he'd be open to discussion, but we'll see what happens. He has no landing spot yet. He's going to go box. He's going to make a floppity trillion dollars. And gosh darn it, the man deserves it. So uh, it's official Come now, Jed Let's be
3: real. We'd all tune in. We know what would happen. There's no doubt what would happen if that man boxed uh, Deontay Wilder. Zero question in my mind how it would go. And I would shell out my idiot lizard brain $75 to watch the shit out of it. And so would all of you. So oh. would all of us.
2: All of the fights. Fury, Wilder, Joshua, all of them. We're all gonna we're all gonna watch it. We may not watch a lot of them, but we'll watch first one. I'd That's watch two. I'll watch I'll
3: definitely watch one. I think I'd be willing to watch two, and then we'd be done. Then I'd be like, I don't need to see him get knocked out by every good heavyweight. Just two will do.
2: Let's move ahead. Benil Dariush versus Charles Oliveira is a go for UFC 288. The ink is dried. We were wondering if, if maybe they'll just pull Darius from this fight because it was, it was talked about as rumored. It was never really done, done. But recently, it is now done, done. They have signed the contracts. Oliveira confirmed it. Uh, it's been confirmed on both sides. We didn't know if they were going to pull Darius to fight Islam next. Not the case. What do you think about this matchup, Jed? Now that it's, we have some sort of graphics and both fighters are confirming that it's a go. I don't know, man.
3: What do you think, Mike? Let's start with you. What are your thoughts on this matchup?
2: I think Darius is insane for taking this fight. I respect the gusto, 100%. But I think he's nuts for taking this fight. Once that, once Makachev beat Volkanovsky and the ink wasn't dry, I would have just said, nope, I ain't fighting him. And just hope for the best. I just don't know why he's taking it. I just don't. like. I understand, and I think the next thing we're going to talk about I think they're making part of it. Him take it. <laughs> yeah. And it's so crazy because, and I'll get. That's the and, answer. And I, I'll just add to this too because we, th- this is a frigging conversation and a half this morning on heck of a morning. Dustin Poirier has called for this fight with Makachev, right? He's and not get it. how certain are you of that? Because I feel like he's, he's right in the mix. Like if I gave you a one to 10 chance, is it a five or higher or is it lower than that? Because I think it's, I think we're at a six at this point because he's I the bigger s- name, man. It's business. He's coming off a win. We've seen way worse title fights. If freaking Jorge Mazadal beats Gilbert Burns and Leon Edwards beats Kamaru Usman, they're going to book that fight in five seconds. They're going to book it. It's going to happen. So I don't think Dustin's out of this conversation at all. Not saying he deserves it more than Benny Dereyush, but when did that mean anything in the UFC? over the last seven years.
3: Deserves not got nothing to do with it. uh, As the great William Money once said. Um, I don't know. I think it's less than 50% that that Poirier gets a title shot. From a timeline standpoint here is where I'm coming from, right? Like, it wouldn't totally shock me. But here's the reality. Makachev isn't going to fight until August. That's maybe July. Like, maybe they get him on International Fight Week. Um, But I don't. Know that that's even something they're interested in because my guess is his next fight is in Abu Dhabi. They're not doing international fight week in Abu Dhabi; they're doing it in Las Vegas because that's what they always do. Uh, but Ramadan's coming up; it's March to like the end of April, so he's not fighting before March, and he's not fighting like Ramadan ends at the end of April sometime. So he needs at least eight to twelve weeks for a fight camp. So we're looking at May June. He can fight maybe July. More likely August, so that just means it's it's Benil Dariush. If if Dariush beats Charles Oliveira he's number one with the bullet you simply can't deny the man and i think that frankly that's why he's taking it i think he recognizes the ufc is never going to willingly give him this fight he will either have to wait until there are no other viable contenders which at lightweight is is zero that will never ever be the case at lightweight or he just has to get one more win gamrot is a great win but it's not the same Oliveira is that win he gets it you just can't deny the man. And so then he gets the next up, and that timeline works out okay if he's okay with the quick turnaround. He beats he beats Charles Oliveira in May. He can turn around for an August fight uh, with Islam And I think that that's why this is happening. I think that that is by far the most likely outcome to happen here if Darius gets injured, if Darius loses to Oliveira, uh, which could totally happen. I, I would be, I'm going to be picking Benny, but if he loses – then I think it's I think Poirier is next in line with, you know, the slight sliver that if Conor McGregor knocks out Michael Chandler, whenever the hell that fight happens, is that fight happening in like August or something? We don't know. I got it. Whenever that timeline sort of fits for them, which I think is in the late summer, maybe uh, if Makachev is, still isn't ready to come back, but I think Poirier is just number two. I don't think the UFC is going to, gonna pull the trigger on anything at lightweight at the moment i think we're probably just in a holding pattern for a second uh while while ramadan goes on and then we'll we'll get some clarity here and my my heavy belief is that we will get benil dariush versus Izamakachev in august probably in abu dhabi uh and
2: then that'll be that i hope benny gets the title fight i hope he gets it i want to see it i want to see that fight but I also understand how the UFC conducts their business and the UFC is making money endeavors making money because of the UFC, but they ain't making $4.2 billion over the last six years. There's a big debt. They got to pay off and they want to pay it off quick, especially if they're interested in buying WWE, which some reports say they are. And that's another huge chunk of debt. That's going to be on top of that too. So I don't know. It's going to be real interesting. And if all of wins, they're, Dustin's getting a title shot. So no that's
3: the thing. If Oliveira 100%. wins, then it's gonna be Dustin in August. Like that's it will be Dustin in August. I just it's gonna be Makachev in August because the, there's no reason to do him in July, and he is not going to fight before then because of Ramadan. Like there's just not how right. that's gonna work for him. So it's gonna be in August. It's gonna be it if Benny loses, then it's or can't fight, it will be Dustin. And then that'll be it. Or maybe Volkanovski uh, decides to get off his high horse, actually goes and defends his featherweight belt uh, in the next couple of months because he says he wants to fight very quickly. Uh, He gets to call the shots. Yeah, a year doesn't get to say, we're waiting for Mexico City. Like He has to fight him whenever he wants. Maybe he says, screw it, let's run this in May. Um, you know, 283 only has one title fight on it. Maybe Volkanovski says, all right, you guys want me to, to do it. I will beat Yair in May. Let's go do this. Pray to God Arnold Allen loses to Max Holloway so he doesn't have another featherweight that he needs to defend against. Uh, and then he can say, okay, pick me instead of Dustin Poirier. And maybe maybe like a 5% chance it, uh, Volk can, can slide in there. But I think we're looking at 60-40 that this is Benny. And then, if Benny loses or can't is hurt, then we just get Dustin in August.
2: Yeah, timing is. I mean, timing is going to factor into a lot of this because if Islam yeah. wants to fight in July, timing is the
3: biggest part of this.
2: Yeah, if Islam wants to fight in July, it's probably not going to be Daruosh.
3: It's not. Then, yeah, it's, it's not. He rinses be,
2: Oliveira in like two minutes.
3: I mean, that would be cool, but yeah, I, mean, I just, yeah. I, I also just really doubt that Islam will want to fight in July. Or that the UFC will, because again, July pay per view is just fight is international fight week, and it just doesn't seem like they care about putting him on that. That's going to be John Jones's first heavyweight title defense. It's going to be international fight week. John Jones versus Curtis Blades. Yeah,
2: if he beats Sergey Pavlovich, he's fighting Sergey Pavlovich. I think this is the yeah, only fight yeah. you could make, right?
3: Yeah, Curtis is going to run right on over Sergey Pavlovich. So. Curtis Blades is finally going to get his title shot guys. Yeah. Let's go. Or it's going to be Curtis (laughs) Blades, Cyril gone. And the UFC is going to hate the world.
2: Oh man. Uh, (laughs) last thing we'll go to the peeps. I have other things to talk about. We can save it till next week, but, uh, what's your favorite bet of the weekend?
3: Ooh, Ooh, that's a good, let me look at my bets right now. Um, I have – I mean, if we're looking for just confidence level, I uh, just put the house on Tatiana Suarez. I feel great about her winning. Um, don't actually ever put your house on anything, people. That's a really bad idea. You should never gamble with money you're not willing and able to lose. Uh, I think my happiest bet, my favorite one, uh, I'm going to be betting Jake Paul for sure. I think I really like this Logan Storley by decision bet. Um, it's plus 240. And I think I favor Amosov. To, to win that fight, but he has so many questions. He has I have far more questions about him than I do about Tatiana Suarez. Both because the level of competition he will be facing is much higher. He what he had to deal with like that's we haven't really seen that a lot. Like how often, how often in combat sports in general is is the reason you've been out for two years is your country got invaded and you were defending it from foreign invaders. That that can't be more than a handful of times historically. What that does to your mind, your preparation, all of that. Like You could tell me that we're about to get the best performance of Amasav's career, and I would totally buy it. You could tell me he it's going to be the worst performance of career. Totally buy it. I just have no idea what to expect from him, and their last fight was so good, uh Amosov faded a little down the stretch storley is gonna be there for 25 minutes forever because that's what he does uh, but he's not a big finisher so plus 240 for storley by decision i think is my favorite bet of the week
2: that's nice yeah that's gonna be a great fight i'm very, I'm very much looking forward to it. and one more, say, one more thing i want to say one more thing i want to say about this benil Darriers thing please say something compelling on the microphone. Never going to happen. Just anything. Don't call it Elon Musk. Don't say I'll fight nine more guys. Just say, there's nothing else I need to do. Islam, you and me next. That's it. That's it. Never going to happen. You're not dumping them. Oh boy. And that could
3: hurt him. Thank Jesus. Um, And then, you know, he's going to talk about some charity work and those are good things. Not in the world of fight promotion, but you know, just not, uh, not who he is, not who he's going to be. Never going to try and be interesting. He's, he's fundamentally opposed to being interesting. And uh, we'll see if he gets to Leon Edwards his way into a title or not.
2: But he is interesting. Like, if you watch him do interviews, he is interesting and compelling, and he's kind of funny. Like, he is interesting when the lights are a, on him in those moments. He's
3: interesting in the way Arnold Allen is interesting. And I love Arnold Allen more than most people. <laughs> Arnold Allen is hilarious. Like I, he is a, hilarious. I'll watch that dude interview forever. Cause he is just, he's just a good to hang. Like he would just, Arnold Allen is the dude that you would never be like, I need to call him to hang out with him every day, but you are always happy to see him at the party. <laughs> you go to the party and he's like, Oh hell yeah. Like, I'll go spend ten minutes. He's never. He's bringing, he's bringing stuff to the table, and he's taking nothing off. Benil Dariush is pretty similar, you know. He he's a good hang. He's he's got jokes, but he just isn't. There's a a big difference between being compelling, interpersonally, and being compelling in front of a screen to millions of people. And they ain't they ain't built like that. And it's just they're never gonna be. And we oh, have man. to accept that as part of their failings.
2: That is a great comparison with Arnold Allen at the party. Would you call him Arnold? Dude, it's so- Arnold? Is he just Arnold? No, uh,
3: he's got- uh, he's, he, he's Arnold. Actually, he's probably Arnold Allen. Like I, He has one of those names that I think you just kind of say it in full the whole time because it's alliterative and so it's fun. Uh, I was listening to- Shout out to Luke Thomas. Uh, room Service Diaries, he and Brian Campbell had Arnold Allen on when they went to England the other week. Uh, and apparently, ev- growing up, everyone called him Mowgli. Like, all of the people in his village still were – Mowgli is the name, and it, Almighty is his fight nickname because somebody paid him for it. Like, they, it was branding <laughs> something. Like, somebody had an Almighty brand something and paid him money, and so he's just like, okay, which – brilliant absolutely phenomenal 100%. way to market yourself <laughs> but like i feel like he'd just be mowgli like you just hang out with him so you go to your friend's house for the you know for a house party and he's just there and he's never like ah, eh, i'm gonna call arnie i'm gonna call arnold allen and see what's going on play around a of <laughs> golf with him but every time you see him he's like hell yeah i love this dude. He's a great guy moogs yeah moogs What's going on? How are you doing? You still fighting people? How's that going?
2: Sick. <laughs> That's the best. Uh all right. Let's take a few, let's take a few questions from the peeps. <laughs> Just a few. And then we'll get on out of here. Bring in. Oh, there we go. Joseph Boza. After watching William Knight fight last week, does it make sense that he was like, oh, so let's clear this up real quick.
3: Come on, you know the answer to that.
2: Right. But it's also important to note that he wasn't released. That was the last fight on his deal. The UFC decided not to re-up him. So it's not like he had three fights left on his deal and the UFC was like, go kick rocks. No, he fought out his deal and they just ultimately decided, which is not a big surprise, they weren't re-signing him. So yeah, I think we know the answer to this question. Yeah,
3: pretty obvious. I mean, there was no way. they. Let's be clear. They did not release him. They would have. Had that not finally yeah, the yeah. final fight his would've. contract, I have zero doubt that he would not have been released after that. I have All a question. Right.
4: I have a question for you guys. If William Knight would have just ended up, just say, lost that fight and got knocked out in ninety seconds, he gets re signed, right? Mm, he was a commander. 50-50. Well, no, he wasn't commanding. W- but he but he looks he's he's a guy who looks good coming off the bus. The UC loves that. Great coming off uh, the bus. He
3: he looks, like the bus.
4: he looks like the bus. He looks like the bus, he looks like another bus coming off a bus.
3: Like <laughs> he, he really does. That's a that's a great way to put that, Casey.
2: <laughs> he is the boss. He is the yeah. Boss.
3: <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they re-signed him. Uh I but remember, he had to go through contender series twice. He got a f- stoppage win the first time and they didn't sign him. They signed him after the second one, his Cody Brundage win. Uh and it's not like every fight of his in the UFC has been a banger. He's had some Alonzo Minifield fight was not the most fun thing to watch in the world. Like he's the, he's the, the Dao and Chung fight too
2: was bad. He just oh, got yeah, to fight was... over and over again.
3: Mm-hmm. Like he's had some un, uninspiring performances. He's had some good ones, but on a three fight losing skid, if he right. had just lost like a normal fight, he wouldn't have had a much better chance, certainly. Right. I still kind of think they might have just been like, hey man, go, go pick up a couple of wins and then come back.
2: Right. But oddly yeah. enough, that's how he fights. Like, he fights oh, like that. Yeah. It's so crazy. Like, I was there, like, the last fight on his developmental deal before the Brundage fight. I was there live to watch. And he fought Rocky Edwards, who was mostly a welterweight for his, a lot of his career. And he, William was losing that fight. He lost, probably lost the first two rounds. And then he knocked him out in the third, knowing that, like, oh, boy, I gotta, like, I'm going to lose. And he went out and did it. It's just, man, he's such an interesting man and such a strange fighter
3: very mercurial but like casey to your point i mean they also the same thing happened to jordan wright jordan wright's contract is up he's no longer with the promotion i think it would have been pretty like jordan wright is in a pretty similar situation he fought and lost it wasn't a good fight but he did just fight and lose on a three fight losing skid at the time and they just let him walk i think it would have been the same even though william knight looks like a cartoon character
4: yeah fair enough all right, next question. And apparently
3: bench is five hundred pounds, which <laughs> is insane.
2: Yeah, he's a monster. Uh one, if Volk vacates, who gets the title shot against the The winner of Holloway versus Allen? Seems pretty clear.
3: A thousand percent. There's there is no one else that would get that. Yeah.
4: I guess the better. I don't even know is, who you
3: could con- would consider could get that over the winner of that fight.
4: Will Volk ever actually voluntarily vacate?
3: No. I mean, if the UFC told him explicitly, if you vacate, we will give you a lightweight title fight, maybe. But I, actually, I think if they if they came to him with that, yes, he probably would. He, he just seems to have zero interest in fighting, in defending his featherweight belt at this point. Like, he just, and to some extent, I get that. Like, he, he tasted the, the high and he wants to, to pursue it and solidify his legacy because he believes that winning the lightweight belt would do that. And he's not necessarily wrong in that regard. I say this, I feel like I say it all the time. And this is me directly appealing to you, Alexander Volkanovsky. You're absolutely right. If you go up and you beat Islam Makachev, you're a two division champion. No one can ever take that away from you. That becomes a thing. There are more two division champions There are more champ champs in UFC history than there are champions who have defended a belt seven times. It is a more common thing to do that. It is not the flashiest thing. You don't get the picture of you with two belts, but you can have the Demetrius Johnson picture with 12 belts and it will age better. I promise you right now. A lot of people will be like, two belts, greatest fighter of all time, cool. But in 10 years, the same way, we are going to look back at DJ's run and be like, holy shit, man, 11 defenses? That is if – you, if you make three or four title defenses, you are one of the best fighters who have ever lived, one of the greatest of all time in your, in your weight class. And DJ had 11. You can do that at featherweight because right now – if you win the lightweight belt, you might be the greatest fighter ever. You still might be the best fighter anyway, but you will solidify a different part of your legacy. You will never be better, a better featherweight than Jose Aldo was. You will never be a greater featherweight if you just leave this division because you only have four title defenses or three of them. No, it's four. It is four. You have four, which is great. Jose has nine. You just you can do that. That is within reach, and it is a different kind of celebrity and and acclaim. But I think it is – I frankly think that it is a more enriching and a better one, and it's something that MMA fans and fighters have largely lost sight of because the idea of two and three belts is so appealing, whereas owning a division for a decade doesn't have the same cachet for whatever reason.
2: I love that answer. And if I don't get to see Volkanovski versus Jair Rodriguez, I'm going to be pissed.
3: I mean, yeah. I would be sucked so hard. That fight rules.
2: It's a great fight.
3: Same. And frankly, I think Arnold Allen's going to beat Max Holloway. If he, do- if he doesn't, then separate conversation. Assume if he does go and beat Max Holloway, everyone will want to see Arnold Allen versus Volk. Like all of us will want to do it. These are fights. I want to see those fights anyway, frankly. Like, these are the fight. <laughs> do those things and then pursue the lightweight belt. But. It is, you can solidify a very different, and I think a more substantive and better legacy by simply doing the thing in the weight class you have spent the bulk and and the majority of your career, where your name, when you go into the UFC hall of fame, as you undoubtedly will, it will not be as lightweight champion and then featherweight champion. Even if you do win the lightweight belt, it will be the former UFC featherweight champion and the former UFC lightweight champion. Featherweight is your division, you can really do something that has almost never been done before if you just stay locked in on it.
4: Love it. Great answer. I, I think that makes it, I think of GSP. GSP is known for the defenses of Walter Weight, not yep. because he, got, he had two belts. That's Absolutely. cool and all, but it's about the defenses of the, uh, the 170 yeah.
3: belt. That is the cherry on the GSP Sunday. The Sunday is the fact that he defended the welterweight belt nine 10, times, times I, I, yeah. Or, yeah, ten times. And at this, and I get it because at the time, people gave him shit about, well, go up to middleweight and fight Anderson. No one talks or gives a shit about that anymore because instead, you can just look back and be like, holy piss, dude! Like, Kamaru Usman has defended the welterweight belt like what four times, five times, and we were just like, this is incredible. This this is almost unparalleled undeniable hall of famer, phenomenal fighter. And, and that's half, that's half of what GSP did. I'm telling you, nobody gives it the credit. We have, there are like close to 10 two weight champions in UFC history. At this point, there are like four people that have ever defended about more than five times. It is such a small list. You can be on that list. And I just wish people gave that the credence that I think it deserves. Yep. I want it.
4: I wonder how much of that is simply optics in the sense that the UFC I mean, will give you is. two belts. But if you defend a belt, you don't see GSP up there with holding seven belts on his arms, So like you do in boxing. So I just.
3: I think a lot. I think some of it is certainly that. I also just think some of it is like it's real lizard brain derp mm-hmm. stuff from the general fan base of well, like, OK, we're I mean, we see it all the time champions get discredited for being dominant. It's like, well, that division sucks. Like actually, no, it's filled with all the best people in the world in this weight range, trying their hardest. And one dude is just way better than the rest of them. And, but it's, it's a more digestible thing for people like, Oh, small man beat big man. He best. Like it's, it's very caveman. (laughs) Oh, small man beat big man. He best. Like it's okay. It's just easier. It's, it is a simpler thing to understand. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> all right <laughs> uh,
2: do you have anything else
4: yeah one more That's one true. more for you <laughs>
2: uh, Mike UFC New England rooming for April per Hawani, you going who's Pacquiao fighting <laughs> uh, I've not heard this uh, that'd be pretty cool I know they want to get to Boston at some point this year what event would that be What's, what's, I mean, you can't do Sergey Pavlovich versus Curtis Blades there, can
3: you? <laughs> <laughs> that would be so fun. Just a, just a
2: whatever. I mean – There's no yeah, main event for the 29th yet.
3: I say they're doing uh, Holloway Allen in Kansas City for whatever reason. You can absolutely do Curtis Blades versus <laughs> Sergey Pavlovich but in like Boston for whatever.
2: Holloway is a star – like beyond MMA, so like it doesn't matter. Holloway can fight anywhere, and it makes sense. But Curtis Blades versus Sergey Pavlovich makes like no sense. So I'm trying to like I'm looking event. at this.
3: They still don't have anything for the 29th. What what main event would you put for UFC uh, New England, April 29th? And I don't even know what venue they they go to when they go to Boston.
2: I will say this, uh, as of now, both, both of those dates are open, uh, the 22nd mm-hmm. and the 29th, but we do have playoffs you, to worry about as well, because the Bruins and Celtics are both going to be in the playoffs and playing an awful lot of home games.
3: Where, where so, do they do shows when they go to Boston?
2: They go to the Garden, the TD Garden. They, they do
3: go to the Garden?
2: They go to the Garden. I don't think they're going to go to Worcester or anything like that no, i think i don't know if they the go. go to the
3: garden in april that might not work out for them from a time standpoint honestly
2: yeah it's it's i mean who knows i don't know what what would actually headline it but there'd be you should for there'd sure be a lot to. of boss fighters oh, i would definitely you should go.
3: go and be full boston mike the whole time oh, dude, just with the go. socks hat just go
2: i covered the last
3: i don't want you to go i want boston mike to go <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dude, are you kidding me? And if it's in April, that means we could play golf with fighters, and I could do Boss and Mike on the golf course with fighters, which would be super
3: oh. fun. Oh, should I try and do that for the Holloway Allen fight? You think?
2: You think I can get Max Holloway to go golf with me? <laughs> do you think Max is good at golf? Uh, I bet. I bet Max is good at anything he puts his mind to. Jed That's seems like true. That kind I of just guy. don't know
3: if he's ever played. I'm looking at the rest of his card. Who? Who looks like a golfer that I could get to? Play Dude, nine could, holes with me somewhere in Kansas City.
2: Max Holloway would play like PGA Tour 2023 with you.
3: Oh, I'd, I'd for sure do that. Do you think Azamat Mirzakhanov, he a big golfer, <laughs> we
2: thinking? I mean, I heard he's a, I heard he's a scratch. So <laughs>
3: could, could be. That's, that would be the thing that would annoy the piss out of me. I go play golf and Max Holloway's like, I've never really done this before. And then he's just like a, like a single digit handicap. First time I'm like, you son of a bitch.
2: Yeah, he starts a, starts our birdie birdie against you. I'd be so pissed. Well, wow, this is easy. <laughs>
3: why do people why do people oh, think this is such a hard game?
2: <laughs> Athleticism, it's a cheat code, even in golf. What do you gotta do? You just I just you hit it
3: straight every time. It's not very hard. You just put it out there. It's easy.
2: <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that'd be fun. I don't know what would headline, but I mean Boston cards have had weird main events. We've had Sun versus Shogun. McGregor actually made sense headlining that card About against the Dennis Seaver. Uh, DC would be uh, Steve A versus Boston Ngannou headline, headline there. Mm-hmm. Who would be an obvious Boston headline Font, right now? Fonts fighting Yanez three weeks before that. Wait, when, when is Cater
3: coming back? Card. When is Cater coming back?
2: Not, not, Probably oh, not to oh, the oh, end not not of enough? the year at the earliest. Yeah, he doesn't think he'll that play long? this year. Probably early next yeah. year. He's taking his time. Jeez. He's in no rush.
3: Oh, well, that's, so, I mean, that would be the best choice. you do, like, cater to Poirier or something. But if oh. he's not fighting in April, then okay.
2: Paco Porter, yeah. let's go. Is Paco Porter still, still
3: under contract with the UFC?
2: First of all, how dare you even ask that question? And second I, of I, all, He's of lost he a is.
3: lot of fights in general. I know not in a row. I think he's, like,
2: uh, <laughs> he's, he's the, the heavyweightiest. Heavy <laughs>
3: <play. laughs> well done
2: well yeah. done I mean alright I think you can hit the music that's it for me everybody uh, my, my yeah that's a great moment.
3: that's a great place to end it you yeah. gotta gotta exit on that note
2: alright next week we'll be back to competition uh, I'm not gonna say it's more gonna be more professional but it'll be more competitive so we'll say that uh, so and thank you for week. joining us everybody and we'll be on the road to UFC 25 yes,
3: yes it's gonna be five. we give so, the UFC 25. a lot of shit deservedly that's one of the best cards I've seen them put together in a long time.
2: Yes. We'll see you for a preview show tomorrow for UFC Vegas 70. And then we might even do a Jake Paul Tommy Curry. We're back to VR. We'll see you then, everybody. Good night. This has Love been y'all.
1: Between the Links, an MMA Fighting production on the Vox Media Network.
0: Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now, on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Support for this episode has come from eBay. You know real when you feel it. And with eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you don't have to wonder. You know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be checked by experts and verified authentic. Maybe it's a designer handbag, sneakers that pop, Jewelry that shines as bright as you do. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.